yes, welcome back, listeners. Uh, we took a brief hiatus for what turned out to be a slightly more thrilling championship than uh, we we would have guessed on the outset. Um, we'll quickly go through some of the the, the stats and the, and the game fixtures and results. So we, when we last spoke, we just had week one of the rugby championship, of which, of course, New Zealand was glorious over Australia in a 13, 8 to 13, uh, and South Africa had quite rightably a win against Argentina, 34 to 21. However, in week two, things got a bit spicy. Uh, of course, another drumming of Australia by uh, New Zealand's finest, 40 to 12. But Argentina came from nowhere to win 32 over the box 19. Uh, does anyone quickly want to give some uh, high-level thoughts as to that game? That that was a big surprise, I think, to a lot of viewers. I don't even remember that game. <laughs> Memorable then. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it, South Africa do what they do best, right? And I'm going to make a mockery of myself in about 20 seconds in that they left the Republic and then they shat the bed. That's just what they do. That they're, they're typically a poor touring team. Probably say the same thing about Argentina, to be fair. Except that's not really how the next month played out. Yeah, so either of those going to say. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, that was uh, that was Argentina's first game on home soil with their new coach. Uh, and it was obviously a, a glorious result for them. However, week three saw Argentina come to New Zealand. Uh, and, oh, or is am I speaking that wrong? Did New Zealand, yeah, Argentina came to New Zealand, right? It was 46 to 24, mm-hmm. New Zealand victory. Yeah. Uh, and then... Australia rumbled South Africa 23 to 18. Yeah, that game was a shambles. I did actually watch that game. Um, it, it was just, it, there was so much, I mean, on, on field shambles, but also every time I watch a game with Australian commentators, I just, I, I, I just want to use the facepalm emoji a lot. Um, namely, the, the, the first name basis just constantly. I know that I know that Justin Marshall does it a lot for for New Zealand games, but for Australian commentators, it's just consistently first name basis for all of them, and it's it's just exhausting, and I can't stand it. Well, they've got they've got three former players in their commentary yeah, team, right? Exactly, that's versus. the problem. Sky has almost all professionals. They've got a chump on the sideline, typically Carmo, who gets yep. micromanaged by a producer, and they've got <laughs> Justin Marshall in the commentary box. So, like the yeah. The scope for for blokey, you know, Mardo, Clarko, Kernsey bullshit is just a lot less on Sky. Thank goodness. Yeah. And 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 also, I just want to call out this. This was I'm pretty sure this was the game where there was the the the, the stupidest fight I've ever seen, where where Snayman was standing uh. in the middle of all of the Australians, laughing like some kind of crazy mentally retarded giant. Um, and it was he, the, the man. Snayman is just a a monster bred out of some kind of weird meat eating factory in 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 the in the outskirts of Cape Town somewhere. Let, let's let's call let's call a spade a spade here. They just came back. They just did um, what's that? The the big week um, in South African schoolboy rugby. Yes, the name of it's just escaping me. Where they had something like seven percent of all. And that statistic is, statistic is probably wrong, but the general thrust of what I'm saying is correct. It was some decent percentage of, of kids who were tested. Mm. Uh, like I think it was almost double digits were done for roids. Yeah. 
and I, like apparently this absolutely systemic endemic in the South African game is just the the PDs. I mean, you look at, and you look at Snayman. I mean, he's a he's just he's a monster, and he, and that's standing next to 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 Isbeth, the, the that other that the other guy who yeah. also looks like also a freak. monster. Yeah, but yeah. at least at least he looks Hayden. like a he looks like at least he looks like a freak who could make it into a club or a bar somewhere. Whereas you, you try to put Snayman into a bar, and it's like. No, mate, we're full. <laughs> Somehow the Springboks managed to recruit several of the monsters from Space Jam. Uh, <laughs> monsters. That's essentially what's happened. Yes, if we're gonna make if we're gonna make a, a Space Jam rugby edition, <laughs> then it'd be a solid solid South African uh, <laughs> inclusion. But you know what, Hayden? It's it's interesting you say that that you know that game. By the sounds of things, was a drizzling shit. So I did not actually watch it because I learned a valuable lesson. I want to say I learned it in about 2000. Sounds about right to me. And that's that you do not watch Wallabies versus Springbok games. They tend to be some of the most dour, boring, mm. useless twaddle fests ever to grace the rugby calendar. They are, they are almost as bad as Italy, Scotland before Scotland got good. You know, well, you know, someone's someone's got to put the hard yards in for the podcast. You know, someone's got to do it, and and if it's me, then that's fine. And can I just can I just round out this game by saying, at the end, it was just a comical collapsing of scrums and all sorts of garbage, and Chica was just having an absolute aneurysm in the commentary box, and it was glorious. So let, let's just finish off with that. We'll finish off with that only because his aneurysm didn't stop. In fact, if anything, it became <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it morphed into something much much worse. Next week. Week four, uh, Argentina came and played in Australia and thumped Australia for 23 to 19. It wasn't the only game that was an upset of that week. Uh, South Africa arrived in New Zealand and beat New Zealand, the All Blacks, 36 to 34, which I can, I can attest was a painful day in all ways. But it was, it was a very entertaining game aside from the fact that we lost and we played terribly, but can we, it was, you know, it's good watch. Well, nice high point game. Good, Sorry, Dean, go ahead, man. It's a nice high scoring game. Uh, it was fluid. There was lots of stuff going on. Uh, I think uh, even a, a casual watch show, knowing the All Blacks as they do, would have expected in the last, you know, five minutes for us to have come back and scored. Um, and, and that final bit. In fact, there was an opportunity, and people were were wondering whether why DMAC didn't do a drop goal. Uh, and uh, there was a last one in the last two minutes or one minute. Uh, There's there lots of talk the, the next week as to why that extra three points wasn't scored. But I don't know. What do you gents think? Or Barrett. Either of those two could have could have thrown the ball over the post from where they were. It's 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 kind of it's kind of like it to put it on, and I kind of will put it on either one of them for not doing it. But the point is, we should never have been in that position. Mm -hmm. And I get it. The Springboks played in a way that is very very different from not only that they've played in this World Cup cycle, but you have to go back a very long way, ten years, in fact, almost ten years, nine years, to have seen a Springbok team leave the Republic and play like that. I get that. However, we are not England, we're not Ireland, we're not Australia. This is the All Blacks, and we do not find losses at home acceptable. I thought we played disgracefully. That's not good enough. Um, 
frankly, and there's a lot of players in that team now who you got to start wondering off the back of that and then off the back of the two weeks after that, you got to be wondering, right, right, are these players good enough? And it's not about necessarily to win the World Cup because we probably still have the highest percentage likelihood of winning the World Cup at this, this stage with these players of any team. But that's not the point. The point is we could and should be better, and it's not acceptable. I, I thought that week was the drizzling shits, and frankly, I thought the next two weeks after that were also pretty terrible. Um, but that's just me, and I'll get my panties in a twist if I want. <laughs> and that is your right. Yeah, I think complacency was a the theme uh, throughout the all-black camp uh, in, that, in that game. A lot of complacency in how they played. A lot of, uh, I don't say lethargic, but uh, they certainly were sluggish in their um, energy levels uh, when they just kind of assumed that it would all come right and they would win in the end. Need a little bit more energy, a bit more pep. Mm. Anyway, on to week five, which saw Australia's woes get ever worse with a 23-12 to 12, uh, loss to South Africa. Uh, saw New Zealand go to Argentina and, and uh, win 35-12. to 12. Um, I, I, I remember the, both these games to be non, not memorable at all. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we did the job. It would have been... Uh all hands on crisis deck if we managed to screw that one up. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and there was a lot written by, by pundits and amateurs alike. And, and unless they were players, as far as I'm concerned, most of the pundits are effectively amateurs about how they were worried about this game. You know, again, the All Blacks, yeah, you have to go back a long way to see the All Blacks put together two terrible losing performances in a row. It just simply does not happen. Statistically, it's irrelevant. I will say, it, for me, it was boring weeks three and weeks five. So this week, they were boring because they were utterly predictable. In week three, Argentina comes to New Zealand. They push us close from minutes 20 to 60, but we usually beat them by anywhere from 15 to 20 points, and it's relatively comfortable. South Africa and Australia will play a dour game where Australia will just squeak in. Then in week five, the shoe's on the other foot. They'll play a dour game where South Africa will just sneak by, and it, lo and behold, that's what happened in both instances. And we will go to Argentina first week on a dry track, and we usually piss it in. It's either a 40 or 50-point smashing, or it's what we saw in this game, where it was, again, about 20 points, and there were a few moments where we showed we just had ball skills that they simply just didn't have. So those, those two weekends are really predictable. Weeks four and six, however, were like, holy shit. You know, which leads me to week six. Whew. Could not yeah. bet on these score lines. So uh, Australia has what is apparently known as now as the comeback, or the biggest comeback in uh, in in Australian professional rugby history. Uh, I think they were losing seven to thirty-one or thirty or twenty-nine or something at the half, and uh, and came back win 45-34 in what could probably be noticed like if they had lost that game to that level I think uh, an, an earthquake would have shocked through Australian rugby well I mean uh, it, was the, it was the wooden spoon battle wasn't it <laughs> let's be honest <laughs> it was, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was Australia being how many points down were they at some point were they 30 points down I think so uh, yeah, I mean, 
like they, if they'd lost by that much and got the wooden spoon in the championship, I mean, it's unlike, I know. rugby championship is different than Six Nations in that three different teams in the Six Nations could get the wooden spoon. And they'd be like, yeah, that's all right. Like Italy will probably get it most years. Scotland will get it on occasion. And then once in a while, uh, maybe Wales will get it. That's just kind of like it, right? But no other, t- like Australia, New Zealand and South Africa, none of those people are, would feel acceptable getting the wooden spoon in the rugby championship. Like heads yeah, are rolled, well, right? Well, I mean, well, you say heads, are, heads will roll, but, you know, we've had this discussion about Chica, the chances of Chica ever getting fired before a World Cup. Oh, and, yeah. and Chris puts it at zero. I put it's it at zero. Can't happen. So, he'd have to yeah. do. It'd have to be some kind of personnel issue, right? Like he'd yeah, well, have that, to like yeah, hit someone, you know, or throw another chair through the commentary box window. Something like that might do it. Or have, an, or have an actual aneurysm in the in the in the commentary box. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that would do the trick. And then the aneurysm can coach them badly. Because <laughs> you know what? What have what have we learned? They've been through since Rod McQueen. They had two years of Eddie Jones, no, sorry, four years of Eddie Jones, where he took them steadily down the garden path until they shared the bed in 2005. They then had the caretaker jo- uh, coach, John Connolly Knuckles, for two years, who did a job, got them through to 2007, and didn't do much with that. They bowed out early at that World Cup. Uh, then they got Deans. They got the super coach for six years, who took them back to the top two or three, took them to a semifinal of the World Cup. Um, and what did they do over those six years? They started with a hiss and a roar, loved what he did for them. But then by 2010, 11 onwards, because remember, they had a win against us in 2008, against the All Blacks in 2008, and then they didn't win again against the All Blacks until yep. 2011. Right? Agent so that, the worm had, Yeah. I mean, the worm had started to turn on them, and they started to think a New Zealand coach doesn't understand us. He doesn't know. Look how terrible this team is. And then since then, what have they had? They've had Ewan McKenzie drive the team even further down the hole before he got caught dipping his pen in the company ink. And now they've had Checker, who's also not being able to arrest that decline. So you've got to wonder, they've tried everything. They've tried every different coach they could possibly imagine. They simply do not have the coaching cattle in Australia to come even close to what Michael Checker can give them. So you've got to wonder, at some point, you've got to just think, maybe their, their fundamental playing philosophy is wrong. And they just don't have the players. Full stop. It's not really a coaching issue. Well, hard, hard words by hard man. Um, before we come on to Australia and the third letters, like we're going to discuss that in length in a second. The last game in week six was Australia. Sorry, New Zealand versus South Africa, and that scoreline also was an interesting one: thirty to South Africa and thirty-two to New Zealand in South Africa. It was a tense game. Uh, and one that New Zealand very much looked like it was going to lose into the last five minutes until it was a hold my beer and look how quickly I can do three tries. Um, it yeah, was I mean, Dean, of... you, you did mention that you did mention at uh, the start of the round six that you said results that no one would bet on. But I mean, New, New Zealand, the All Blacks have snuck past South Africa numerous times in South Africa over the past 10 years. It's it's by a couple of points. It's it's not a it's not a rarity to see that the way they did it. Sure, was was not the one that I'd like them to repeat because it was a it was a very very stressful experience, but also also joyous. It was very joyous. It was joyous, well, quite, but in, say, in saying yeah. that, 
Like I, I think that that one of the reasons that we won that game is not necessarily that we won it; is that Australia, is the South Africa gave up in the last ten minutes. They just took their foot off the gas. Fafterclerk went off. Larue went off. Carl uh, Marx went off. Creole, I think, was Karl Marx. Was faffing about. Yeah, Carl yeah, Marx mean, was on. Karl Marx was off. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying that we we I'm not necessarily thinking that I, I don't remember the performance being outstanding so much as good, but could have been a lot better. I mean, you can also you can point to you can point to some, like you mentioned, some interesting substitutions which probably cost them the momentum in the game there because. Those were their those were their three best players on of of the game so far, and it really sucked the sucked the wind out of them. But also, it it speaks to the fact that they don't have the bench depth that the All Blacks that do, and so you should not, if you're going to make substitutions at that point, those substitutions should be better at that point of the game than the people you take off, and for South Africa they weren't, so that cost them. That's basically what it comes mm-hmm. down to. That that's well said. Couldn't agree more. And when I say couldn't agree more, I never actually watched that game. I was in Costa Rica fucking with sloths and shit. <laughs> he's, not, he's not kidding. Sorry. Great punditry again from Chris. <laughs> great, great insight. Um, All right. Which right, brings so us immediately us. to the... Yeah, so that was the rugby championship. Some ups and downs from lots of teams. Uh, a loss for every team uh, and a win for every team. Which you don't, you can't, you you can't say that for every uh, for every rugby championship. So, a uh, round of applause for everyone uh, for doing their best and their worst. So well done. Um, which brings us neatly to the third Bledisloe, often known as the dead rubber, uh, mainly because Australia has been shit from about what two thousand, two thousand and two. Well, well t- 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 take it easy. You just you just took a rather high and large dump on the greatest Australian team that ever lived. Yes. Yeah. Two thousand one. Easy, Daisy. I stand by it. Uh, and so, third blade well. Well, let's talk about our current ABS team and the injuries that we have. And there, there are some. There were some people. There's some players that are coming back. Um, Brady Retallick will be mm. making a comeback in the next couple of weeks. I don't know necessarily for this game, but, um, but especially for the, the England, Ireland um, games, it looks like he's going to be in form. Well, uh, Retellick, Retellick was out. He was originally out because he was injured, right? But then did he have some, he had some personal leave as well mixed in there or not? Is this purely injury? Nah, the personal leave actually ended up being just a, a nice thing that he had whilst it was injured. He probably would have right. had that. If he wasn't injured, but uh, he happened to be injured at the same time. Um, we're talking, of course, about his shoulder problems. He, uh, in the Argentina game, he felt awkwardly uh, and just didn't feel right. And it turns out there's some sort of cartilage or ligament thing that he, he crunched a little bit. Um, but the doctors um, said it wasn't too bad and just needs to rest up easy. So that's what he's been doing. He's sorely missed, as per usual. Mm. He's not on the field. He is our um, Etzebeth or Sneymar, uh, our, our giant that we've hired. Um, right. He's a lot better Just, looking than Snayman, which is not, which, which is, it, uh, it, yeah. He is, he is streets ahead of any South African Roy donkey. And I mean that allegedly and with all due respect, he is, <laughs> I think I'd be comfortable saying he's the best player in the world. He makes us go another foot beyond our already immensely high standards. And when we don't have him, we miss him. You know, 
he's like a combination of Colin Meads and John Eels. You know, I think he's the best player in the world. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like you talk about world, world rugby player of the year and, and, you know, with, with respect to, to Bowden Barrett, you've got to, you've got to say, I mean, you know, Ritalik's missed a lot of this year. So, you know, I don't, I don't think he's, he's, he's probably not in unless he has an absolute barnstorming into the end of season tour. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's the absolute heart and soul of the team and we miss him massively when he's not playing. So great to have him and, and Whitelock in there for, uh, for the end of year. Sorry, the, Sorry, the Autumn Internationals. Oh. Another notable uh, uh, player coming back from a uh, long stint of injury, Dan Coles. Get those socks down, boy. Uh, we'll probably not start, but no. we'll, uh, we'll end up being a, a, power, a power replacement. Um, how do we think, though? I mean, I've not actually seen him play at all. I don't think he, he has played. He's been playing. He played off the bench for Wellington, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, did anyone catch any highlights from that game? Uh, I'm not. I'm not watching late into to Wellington games. Uh, I've watched too many Wellington games recently. Blacker. <laughs> just so you know, our gentle viewers, we we all have jobs. Um, just FYI, <laughs> so, you know, we're not big yeah. on watching NPC games uh, in the middle of the goddamn day. What do you mean uh, we? Think- Chris, you haven't had a job in like three months. And you know, funny, funny you should say that as well because I'm just watching NPC reruns here on uh, Sky's. <laughs> Shout out. Of course you are. <laughs> isn't the isn't the final uh, this weekend? I dude, I don't even know. I guess so. We're not covering that today, though, are we? Oh, uh, did Auckland no. win or no, or what? I think the way it works now is in the NPC is that um, you know Canterbury gets all the best players from around the country. And then they win. That's that's CNPC. Well, I think that's the final. It's uh, it's Auckland versus Canterbury. Yeah, that's right. And it's at Eden Park, which is it's been a while. And Do I it, think man. that Auckland Rugby Union has opened the doors. The oh. game is free. Oh. That's gonna be punched. That's a that's an awesome idea. Actually, put get forty thousand in there. Uh, I don't think I think they'll struggle to get fifteen, even in a free game. No, come on. In a final, I, I, I'll, I'll put I'll put money down, ten dollar guarantee. I'll get you a kebab. New Zealand listeners, for which I'm sure we have many, uh, please message us to say if you were at the game. Send us pictures. Uh, we'd be very interested. Write <laughs> okay, them in so, the comments uh, of our iTunes spot, uh, <laughs> or our Spotify. <laughs> nice, nice plug, Dean. Can we, can we go. go back? Can we go back to this bet though? You so you're saying are we saying over under fifteen k? Is that what we're yep. saying? Right here, right now. Okay, so t- so, so you, uh, a kebab from uh, Okuni Mountain Kebabs, um, for for the victor. Yep. All right. Just if anyone's listening from Okuni, don't don't ship it to New York. <laughs> just just let me deal with it. He'll it'll get his kebab in due term if he does happen to win. It'll still but smell great. if I win, I'm going to go down and buy one, and I'm going to Venmo you the $10 NZD. <laughs> when you join my I mean, inflation has surely got that up to $15 now. Surely. Yeah. 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 
Anyway, uh, we one other notable, one other notable sickness, not injury. Uh, Jack Goodhue. We will not be seeing him at midfield for the next two games, I think I read earlier this week, um, which has disappointed some people. They wanted to see a Jack Goodhue, uh, Sonny Bill Williams uh, midfield team team up. Uh, Apparently that's that's the a, the a class. Can, can, you, can you answer me this? So here's this kid, right? End of year tour last year, he gets that screwed up for him because he had mumps, I think, right? And now he's got glandular fever. So... Boy well, didn't get vaccinated. And his folks down and say, like, what have you fed this kid? Yeah. And should he be on some kind of medical regime? You know what I mean? I'm with you. These kids yeah, getting vaccinated. It, are those because are those two diseases related at all? Like, if you get one, you're more susceptible to get the other one. Half. Yeah. Could, no idea. Could, I think if we've had glandular fever, haven't you, Chris? I don't think it's like Legionnaires. No, Legionnaires kills you. He's also oh, not on the block. Shingles. That's shingles. I, I don't think it's like shingles. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, for the ne- that's for next year. He'll get shingles next year. <laughs> so, our Tim McCarthy ruined midfield aside, how do we think this team's going to play out this week? So, yeah, third Bledisloe. I think uh, I actually uh, took the time and I looked up what the, the, eight, what the team was for, for the last year. So 2017, the third Bledisloe, um, we lost that game. And our starting 15 comprised of Kane Hames, Dane Coles, Nepu Luwalala, Whitelock, <laughs> Scott Barrett, Liam Squire, Sam Kane, Kieran Reid, Aaron Smith, Liam Sapuanga, Rico Ioni, Sonny Bill Williams, Ryan Crotty, Waisaka Naholo, and DMAC. I would be surprised if, you know, aside from the obvious um, people that aren't going to make it into the team, if we're going to be too much off that. I think Bowden will be in there for, for Lima. I think Kane Hames obviously won't be playing. Neither will Dane. Dane won't start. Uh, neither will Nipu. Um, I don't know if... I don't, I don't know if Retallick's going to start. If Retallick starts, he'll start. But if not, I think it'll be Scott Barrett. And I think the rest of that team pretty much. Oh, uh, no. Well, D-Mag won't start, will he? Please, he please start. no more Naholo. Please no more Naholo. They just love like him. He, just, he, doesn't, he doesn't. You know, he's really fast and he can score tries that no one else in the world, world can score. But in many respects, he's a complete liability. And you just got to wonder whether he has the all-round skill set that we've had now in two World Cup wins on the wing, you know? Yeah. I, I just think he's a liability. I don't think they'll put him at number 15. I think they'll want to probably play Geordie Barrett at 15. I think they like him there, and they'll probably right, put... So if we were picking Waisaki Nahola at 15, I'd throw myself out a goddamn window. Yeah. Are you for real? <laughs> Good God. <laughs> like, this, this game's been a banana peel for us. Like, you, you know, we have... We've tripped up a couple of times just because of mainly complacency in the past that this third blood is low because we, for whatever reason, there's a lot of factors in it. But I don't, I don't see that. I don't feel that same complacency in in, in the team this time around. So I, I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna put a lot of points on them. Um, I, I think, I think it's gonna be our A team, and I think they're gonna play it because I, I know that after this game, they're flying twelve players straight. England to get acclimatized to prepare, hmm. and then they, the rest of the team is going to hang out 
uh, in Japan for another week, and then they'll play against Japan, yeah. and then the rest of them will join them. And then some players will go straight from Japan home to New Zealand. So, yeah, I think I think we're going to bring bring the noise. Well, so the question the question that I have have they said who the twelve are that are going to go first? Uh, are we sure have, number twelve? I'd heard it was twenty six. I'd heard it was a the minimal touring party. Oh, pass then. I don't know where I got twelve from. Okay, because I'm just I'm just thinking I'm thinking what how we would treat that Australia game, whether we treat that as a as a as the other rugby championship games by Nelson against Argentina, whether we treat that as our you know number one priority, got to win that game. Even though I mean the game is is effectively meaningless in terms in the grand scheme of things. Like it, it doesn't end did a decision of the Japan game afterwards. Like you know, our eye is on the prize, which is the the Ireland game and the England game. But we have to play our yeah, A team the, the at some point. Is, the prize is greater than that, man. We are three hundred and sixty some days away from the World Cup, and the last two sure. World Cup cycles have shown us that the November before is strictly a planning and logistical dry run for the World Cup itself. Sure. So from here on out, results do not matter. That's okay. Unfortunately, it's the tone that's been set um, by not not the All Blacks. We went, you know, New Zealand were not the first ones to set that tone, but that's just where we are now. So I don't think this game matters. The game after it doesn't matter. The Ireland and England games matter a bit. I'd love to smash both of them, mm. but in the grand scheme of things, you'll see Shag take some risks. I think this this month. Yeah, let's let okay. So I agree. Let's take it back to let's call it the medium term eye on the prize, medium term eye on the prize, because you got to have some focus to this thing. Otherwise, it becomes a bit of a circus. Um, speaking of uh, speaking of World Cups, um, happy happy twenty eleven World Cup winning day, everyone. Ah uh, yes, yeah. glorious, mm-hmm. good anniversary. Mm-hmm. So uh, good. you know, formal yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I think. <laughs> uh, I, I think we're gonna treat this game a little bit like how George Foreman treated the heavy punching bag before Muhammad Ali had to come into the training room for the Rumble in the Jungle, where I think we'll pound on it until there is a slight dent, and then walk away a bit sweaty and be like, "We'll see you later." I think that's what we're gonna do because then we're gonna take that team. And we're going to fly to Europe, and we'll have done some heavy, yeah, heavy punching. George Foreman got beaten to fuck. <laughs> yeah, where we Didn't say it was a good analogy. <laughs> I'm just saying it works. <laughs> Wait, is Sunny built the punching bag? <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I don't want to. While we're on that subject, I think you know he, he is not. I'm told like he's a consummate professional in terms of the preparation sure, yes. that he puts in the games and all that other stuff, and that's inspirational for the younger kids. But when was the last time you saw him throw an outrageous offload? Or when was the last time you saw him do something really incredible? Sonny Bill-like, right? And I'd, I'd posit, I'd say this, he did a little bit off the bench during the 2015 World Cup and I'm, I need to be very clear there. I think it was a little bit. Other than that, he didn't do an immense amount of stuff that previous year after he came back from league. You have to go back to his breakthrough All Black season 2012-ish before he then took off for league again. 
to remember the last time he did something that was really great. So I've got to ask the question. He's played what now? 40-some tests, I think maybe 50, over what is an, like an accumulated four seasons with the All Blacks. Can we just ask the question, how does he deserve protected species status? Like, I'll mm. call it the Mills Mulyaina status, right? 2010, a dad came on the scene. Mulyaina was injured. Dag played amazingly, and people were saying, is Mills done? No, they gave Mills another shot of the dice, and he put in seven years and 85 tests at that point, right? Hadn't gone anywhere, hadn't taken big money. He was loyal. So I'm quite, I don't quite know how Sonny Bill Williams has got himself that same ticket when he hasn't been loyal, doesn't have anywhere near the same kind of experience. Like, why are we still protecting him? I don't understand it. I mean, I don't think this is the forum to uh, to, 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 to defend Sonny Bill. Yeah, you're not going to get a lot of dissent from, <laughs> no. uh, from that comment there. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, I mean, he's caused the lines here. Welcome to, to, to text in or whatever else on any forum and light us up and tell us why, because I can't figure that shit out. I mean, I mean he's, he's wrong, in there for... I mean, I'd like to get in. Is he in there for, is he in there for, the, for the mana at this point? Mm-hmm. Christ, man, it has to imagine between, between, like, you know, even, even Nani Lamape, you'd think the stuff that he's done in the last two to three years, and he's not even in the squad, some of the stuff yeah. that he's done has been incredible, and he can't even get a look in over that old fuck. <laughs> that old Speaking fuck. Speaking of Lamape, he's actually in the, uh, in the larger tour. Yeah, he should be. Right, I mean, they, they took one in five contract the New Zealand rugby players on the score, so <laughs> you would have hoped, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, if, speaking if of that, judging by if you're judging by first fifteen players in super rugby teams, they have taken over half. Yeah. Was there any names that jumped out to you, gents, for the Northern Tour that you were surprised by or that you were happy with? Either way. I mean like Apart, said, one in five. One in <laughs> there are a lot of names in that squad, and a lot of them I'm like, oh yeah, that guy. <laughs> Which I mean, does it does it bring you a, a little bit of dread knowing that he's Chang is going to start really playing around and giving people some some playtime, maybe some longer playtime than you are you might uh you might otherwise want, or you might want to see at this kind of caliber level. I mean, I, I imagine the game against Japan, he's really going to throw some some interesting dice. Um, but and then we've got a tail in the game with Italy. But I think you know, there's there's you know, Shag and Ted before him didn't make wholesale selection screw ups. We've we've been quite lucky for nearly 15 years now on that front. Um, that said, there and you know the size of the tour means that there's very few people that you would have liked to have seen in there that aren't. But I think Akira Yuani, he must be thinking, Christ, what have I got to do? What have I got to do? Uh, to he's got to have game? a better work rate. Sometimes he takes, right. turns up and he can barely, barely be bothered catching the ball, let alone running with it. That being yeah, said, I, it did I, have I, apparently a good game the other day. I, I think it's an. I think that's an outdated perception. You look at his numbers from the last two Super Rugby seasons where he's had to turn up. You know, you look at the statistics of how many rucks he hits now. Like it's, it's, it's largely. I'm thinking there may be behavioural issues. He might be a bit of a bad egg. And hearing about what is it, the fact that his brother 
you know, world superstar, um, you know, got in a fist fight with Blake Gibson at the Blues, maybe Akira is cut from the same jib and maybe he's worse. And maybe they just don't want that. Maybe he fails the Hickey Elliott, no dickhead, no dickheads policy. Yeah. I mean, that, didn't they have a, like a Barney over Christmas and Rico came back with black eye and didn't say what it was from? Do you think it was him and his brother? Fisticuffs. No, no, that, that, was, that wasn't Christmas. That was, that was earlier in the year, right? And it was um, Ioane and Blake, Gib- Blake Gibson. Who can probably, on that note, he can pro- great Blake Gibson, he can count himself extremely unlucky given that he was injured because, you know, with Sam Kane injured and Matt Todd in Japan, you would have thought he would have been the next cab off the rank to be the open side's open side because we don't really get that from um, Slim Jim Savia. Uh, so he would have been an extra excellent all-black addition. It's a great segue, Chris. Well done. Uh, into the, the number seven conundrum that the all-blacks have uh, with the aforementioned injuries and uh, unavailability of, of what are we now Five, six deep, having to call back Matt, Matt Todd, having to make a, a, a somewhat controversial exemption for Matt Todd to um, have his cake and eat it too with his Japanese trip yeah. uh, and also get some... He, he, um, he hasn't earned that right. He hasn't earned that right, just on that note. I, I, I find that disgusting. I find that immensely disrespectful to the people that have put far more into the All Black jersey than Matt Todd has, who didn't get that, you know. And I know that it's an emergency, and I know that going back to 1996, when they first put this policy in place, that there were, were provisions for emergencies. I don't think this counts. I don't think this counts as an emergency. Anyway, anyone want to take me on on that one? Anyone? Come on, bring it. Well, I mean, where, where does this take? Where does take this take us? So, like, so we have a situation. We, we have, it is within our, I don't know within the, the framework of what we've set up that we, we can pick someone like Matt Todd. Um, it, so why not do it? I mean, it's, it's not like, I mean, realistically, is he going to start? Is he going to start the game against Ireland? Doesn't matter, dude. It, I know, it's, I know, it's I know that doesn't matter, but, but what I'm saying, what I'm saying is that it's not like we're, um, it's not like we're doing a, uh, South Africa, where we're picking frontline players from, you know, going going down that road. I, I just think this is not not so much of a big deal. Matt Todd will play a few games, but come off the bench and a few others. Do you know, no dude? It's, it's not Matt Todd. It's the twenty other players that are in that similar position. So, relatively senior, late twenties, peripheral All Blacks, of which there are probably three dozen of that existing in Super Rugby, right? who are all of a sudden saying, hey, you know what? I think I can skip NPC because by the looks of things, I can just turn around and play in Japan and they might still pick me anyway and then come up with some bullshit excuses to how they can get around that. That's what worries me, is what it puts in the minds of other people who now think they can get away with it. This is the same reason why Luke McAllister and Stephen Brett left New Zealand in 2011 because it was after the whole Dan Carter um, sabbatical and also McAllister exception process in 2009 they took off because they thought if push comes to shove I can come right back into this team if selected with a mo- with you know very short notice and we lost two of them as a result can I remind you guys what then happened later in that year because we didn't have either of those two players in the country 
Stephen, <laughs> Stephen Donald. Not Stephen Brett, uh, Stephen Donald, Beaver. Yeah. What, you mean the, one of the greatest moments in New Zealand sport? Oh, gee, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I keep my shit out of control. <laughs> Look, in saying I mean, that, number seven, Ardi Savi has played in that position. I know we've been breeding into moving to others, but he's, he's started. He started against France as a number seven. No, that's the point. Sevilla would, so that was the point I was trying to make. Sevilla will, is ahead of him in the pecking order in terms of who we're going to put at seven. So, but then what, why risk it? Why not just go with a local seven? So again, it's different to 2009 and the Luke McAllister exception because we literally had no one else at 10. We were going from Dan Carter to fucked. Whereas here, we're talking about a third string seven. Like, wh- why, go th- why even go for that exception? It doesn't make any sense. Why not just leave him to do his holiday in Japan, get paid his money, and then he can turn around next year and try a try for the World Cup squad, which he'd probably get into anyway. Which is what he was planning to do anyway. Yeah. yeah. I just think it sends the wrong message, but hey, what are you going to do? I just don't want to ever, ever see this again, ever. Yeah, well, tell, tell Sam Kane not to tackle with his, with his neck. That'd be nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get the notice on Because he, he, he just went straight in with his, with his third vertebrae and was like, yeah, I got this. Like, no, come on. You're not Pocock. Well, no, okay. again, it, it's another, another statistic for injuries caused from tackling. Yet you won't ever, ever hear anyone say anything mm-hmm. else other than the tackle height needs to be lowered. That's not what's causing the majority of concussions and neck injuries. Um, but, you know, the Irish and the English and the rest of the Northern Hemisphere want more penalties. They want more punitive action because that's how they get their rocks off. You know, little dopamine hits, little erections every time a yellow card is issued. Mm. Pronto. Predictions. Predictions for the scoreline for third blood is low, knowing that we're probably going to pick what would largely be considered our A to A minus side. Um, I mean, I, I, I think we're going to, I think we'll beat Australia comfortably in this game. Um, I, I don't think, we're not, we're not going to put a big score on them, I don't think, but it's not going to be one of those games where we feel threatened at any point. Um, I, I'm picking a, you know, 30, 38-20 kind of, kind of, kind of job. I think I think we're going to lose. God. I think I think we're going to lose. I think it's going to be eerily reminiscent of the 2014 third Bledisloe, but it, instead of Fiki Toa saving us right at the death, I, I think there will just it will be really close, and we won't get saved at the death. We're, we're just going to lose. Who, who Chris? Who for. saved us? Fiki Toa. Sid Nisbo was he had a <laughs> constipation problem. <laughs> oh man, it's, it singes the nostrils. <laughs> oh, god damn. Um, yeah, no, so I, you I think, think we're going to lose by five. <laughs> I don't know. I... The Wallabies get up for this. They routinely peak for this game. God knows why. They're just a backward people like that, I guess. But the third letters, though, that's when they get themselves up. Makes sense. Only because I, I, I imagine that Cheek has gone out there and, and, and yelled, 
I mean, let's let's be know Chica's lunch. Uh, sorry, Chica's halftime speech. That team rallied them like never before. I mean, if he could can that speech and give it to them before every game, uh, then points on the board for for the Wallabies every single time they get on the paddock. But I don't know. I don't. My prediction. Uh, I think New Zealand by five. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a fun game to watch. Okay. No, I mean the 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 fact that it's not a home game for either team means that there's going to be a little bit less intensity, which will translate to, you know, uh, I think a, a lesser spectator experience. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of uh, like fencing, a lot of uh, strategy, uh, a lot of trying maybe out some set pieces uh, that um, they might not have tried before. To see if they how they work, but not trying to give away too much. I think you I think you mean fainting, right? Oh, As fainting. opposed to getting out the rapiers and and having a poke. Oh no, I, yeah, I'm talking about like little little swords poking each other. You have me right. Right, right. Okay, so this was a, you were going for the sword metaphor. Straight in. There we go. So Same Dean, man I know you want an actual sword. Dean, I know you wanted to talk about, you know, the significance of this game and then the one the week after. I did. Were you coming at this from the perspective of why are we doing this? So I, I, I don't know if any of our listeners uh, are aware of why um, we would host the third Bledisloe uh, in Japan and then opt to play a second game uh, in Japan and then go uh, to Japan several weeks in advance, um, not just fly in there four days in advance of, of the game itself. And I think... Um, there has been a couple of articles written on it, um, uh, but but largely there's only been one or two that I've read that talked about how um, the the fourth thought and, and planning uh, for the next year. Uh, some of our listeners will be aware that the Rugby World Cup is in Japan, uh, and so New Zealand ended up training in the base that they will train in uh, next year. So. Uh, being athletes uh, creatures of habit and creatures of comfort they like to know where they they are and have that uh that, that comfort in their mind uh strategically uh the all blacks um and and australia for that matter uh schedule this game in japan as a, as a, a way of looking forward to, to the world cup of next year um and i wanted to just highlight that in, in case anyone else had anything to add yeah, I, th- I think it's a fantastic idea, particularly given how weird the weather, can, I'm told, can be in Japan, where you get that really high humidity and really high heat, I think even at this time of year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and giving the, the players an opportunity to experience that and get a leg up, and literally only New Zealand, Australia, and Japan are going to have this experience, I think it's a huge bonus. And the whole doing, being there for several weeks all up, mm-hmm. that mimics the World Cup experience and going back to 2002, the All Black coaching regimes have wanted to do that the year before every World Cup is to try and at least have some kind of logistical role play um, to sort of make sure everything runs smoothly the following year. Yeah, and the other thing it does is it it, it takes off a bit of that novelty for some of the, the younger guys. If they're there again next year, they'll they'll have a few a few less distractions. They'll they won't get distracted by the vending machines. They won't get distracted by the the the, um, the 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 electronic stores everywhere. The, uh, the 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 geishas walking down the street. So yeah, they got I, asked I a lot of pictures. They are uh, giants in that yeah. country. I mean, that's not like 
you, you get asked for pictures if you're a six foot tall white guy. So yeah, if you're accurate, if, if you're a six foot six foot eight Polynesian dude, yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get called out. And especially if you've got tats everywhere, fucking just yeah, don't wear your tats in public, guys. Oh yeah, tattoo is big thing for the uh, the Japanese audience. Over, uh, just... as, as something uh, an aside for our listeners in Japanese culture, uh, tattoos uh, on a, on a body are commonly thought of as as being a yakuza member, a member of their uh, organized mafia. So um, tattoos are a big no no. Um, so we're not entirely sure how they're going to play um, the uh, the Rugby World Cup, seeing as a lot of the tattoos that a lot of Polynesian players have aren't. Uh, marks of a, a giant mafia organized crime syndicate <laughs> indeed part of their culture um so i mean like do these guys not get told they've got like uh, press officers they've got yeah they've got people that should tell them for this kind of stuff and you know what you really shouldn't need to we're talking about people that are in their 20s they should read a book on occasion you know they like offer to a fussy to see him walking around with his tats out on there you know come on man honestly really you didn't read, you didn't think to ask around. You know, they, these guys must have a ton of friends playing in Japan that mm-hmm. could tell them what's up. It's just, it's poor form and it shows just dumbness, just world-class fucking stupidity. You know what, I, you know what I'd be super interested to know is if Sonny Bill has been wandering around with his, because he's got some pretty prominent tats on his arms. Yes. Um, I'd, be, I'd be interested to know if he's actually walking around with those out everywhere especially considering the song and dance he made about the sponsors on his jersey and covering those up because it was against his religion and his customs. I'd be very interested to see if he's doing it because that would be I, I, some I, hypocrisy. should get on his Insta, dude, because he's got less excuse than any of them. He's played in Japan. He's played exactly. and lived in Japan. Mm-hmm. I'm but getting anyway. on his Insta right now. Get on there. You leave, you leave some comments, Chris. <laughs> oh, don't you worry about that. I'm going to light him up. <laughs> Drama. <laughs> Bloody Bill, if you're, if you're listening to this uh, a couple of weeks after uh, we go live and you're wondering um, why you suddenly got a, a comment that was disparaging of, of the many I'm sure you get, it, it was us. We did that. <laughs> Just a holy Not sorry. To that. Not sorry. Uh, okay, I think we we uh, we we can pivot away from the third letters. Like we've given our predictions, we talked about the team and why it's in Japan. Um, On to to the rest of it, and let's let's start with I guess our favorite um, our favorite whipping boy, our favorite punching bag. How shit is Eddie Jones? What an absolute twat! I mean, yeah, he's in a lot of he he's <laughs> he's making the next twelve months for himself very very difficult. I mean, to be fair, a lot of these injuries are they're happening at the club level, so it's harder to draw a straight line back to him. But we'll do that anyway. These injuries are all his fault. Discuss. It looks very, it looks very much <laughs> like it was his own making. His his selective little. Uh, oh, we're only going to have a long weekend in Portugal here and a long weekend over here, and I'm only going to invite 15 players. And if you didn't get the call up, sorry, maybe try harder next time at club level. Try like maybe injuring yourself to get noticed. Uh, oh, you've injured yourself. You can't play now. Sorry, I'll only invite my 15 best friends along to the sleepover. Like, are you kidding me? Eddie, you, you're doing it to yourself, mate. Yeah. Yourself. I mean, how many are we up to, Dean? How many injuries? I mean, there's, there's one. <laughs> I think it's their, um, I think it's their number 10. 
no, it's not the number 10, sorry. I think it's their number um, uh, six or number five. They just, they, 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 they're completely out. They've just, like, everyone is injured or retired. Joe Marler, uh, <laughs> RIP, uh, has just disappeared. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the fact that Joe Marler just up and left and wandered off. Does I mean the 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 stereotypes are, <laughs> are playing out live? <laughs> yeah, the uh, Bonapolo brothers, of uh, you know a, a famous aristocratic family of England, uh, have been <laughs> have been injured and they're, they're out, uh, which is a real bother to to uh, Eddie's plans. Um, and then, sorry, it's it's the number eight. It's the number eight. Nathan Hughes has also been injured, and he would have been their third choice. Um, so I think they, they're calling up a guy named Ben Morgan. Um, so we'll see how that does, but yeah, they've, they've essentially got no good number eight, uh, seeing as obviously Joe Marler obviously decided to, uh, stop. No, ben, ben Morgan's an experienced eight. He's actually pushed, um, Vinopola close for selection in previous years. I think he's just fallen a little bit further down the, the, the pecking order. You know, England are the only other country other than the All Blacks who can who can take big injury hits and reach back into the cupboard and still find someone who's particularly in the forwards who's relatively close to world class. They lose a few backs though. All of a sudden, the wheels come off, and it's like watching two thousand five Andy Robinson England really, really quickly. Well, I mean, England. I mean, the England game, which was being hyped as being you know the most glorious matchup of all time between us and England is is quickly becoming less and less of a thing. Um, and, you know, you can almost hear the excuses from here, but we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully they have a team. I mean, they'll have a team, uh, but, <laughs> you know, whether... Whether it's going to be the the exciting game we're all waiting for, or whether it's going to be uh, like a fifteen to eight game, no, which like ever, everyone's really bored with. More than that, but you know, um, who have um, who have England got? Because uh, there's, there's a bunch of other games. Um, are, are we going to talk about the 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 week following the third Bledisloe? Um, yeah, so the week following the third well, uh, New Zealand plays Japan, uh, but interestingly enough, uh, South Africa take on England in the, the first of the mm-hmm. uh, series, um, which is a big game for England to start on, um, seeing as uh, the box is doing well. They don't have a couple of their, their standout. In fact, you could almost say it's a slightly toothless um, Safa team without mm. Fat, Willie LaRue, and, and a couple of others. They do have a couple of their... their um, Creel, Karl uh, Marx, um, Elizabeth. Uh, these are all kind of game changers for them. But yeah. I, I would imagine without their, um, without William, without Faf, you, you got some. It's, it's a less dynamic team. I, I don't. I don't. I don't see South Africa doing anything exciting in the way they have for the rugby championship. But I don't when know. Did, when did Willie Larue become? something reasonable rather than the half-baked inconsistent flake artist that he had been for the better part of a decade. Yeah, I don't know when that happened. They just all, like, I've, I've seen him around for ages, and all of a sudden now I'm like, that guy's good. Where, yeah, where, did, I, where did they come from? 
maybe part of it is coaching. Maybe for the first time yeah. since uh, Nick Mallett, they've got a coach who knows how to coach a whole team rather than their straight out of 1971 um, sort of coaching protocol, you know, stick it up the jumper and have your nice boat to look like kick the living shit out of the ball, you know? <laughs> like, with yeah. Rossi Erasmus, he's an actual real coach, unlike the succession of pie chuckers they've had up until now. Maybe they know how to get the best out of an exciting fullback. Yeah. Maybe. It's, I mean, it, uh, it's, it's good. I'm excited for it. But I'm also ready for them to completely capitulate mm. and lose all the games. And everyone's like, oh, nice one, South Africa. And then make everyone in the, rug- the Southern Hemisphere feel a bit shitter for it. So I'm preparing for the worst whilst hoping for the best. I hope they have a barnstormer. Always a, always a, good, uh, a good option. Yeah. Well, Dean, you know my thoughts on teams that have the temerity to beat the All Blacks and then shit the bed immediately afterwards. You know my mm. thoughts on those kind of things. Mm. They, yeah, they do not fill me with joy. Yeah, they are the fucking drizzling shit. Ireland, I'm looking at you. <laughs> right directly into your Emerald Isle. Yeah. yeah. Just, just, just uh, by the way, guys, just reporting back from Insta, all the photos of Sonny in Japan, he's wearing trackies with not an ounce of flesh showing other than his face. So evidently, uh, he may have been burnt by this one before. Culturally appropriate, SBW. But I'm keeping my eye on him. I'm watching <laughs> him. Well, I I, I, I tip my hat to you, SBW. Well done, well done, sir. Good stuff. Um, recent changes to the rugby calendar. Uh, there was a big meeting several weeks back. All of the heads of state, of which I don't know who any of them are, but they're all <laughs> very important bigwigs. Uh, and um, Pichon, Pino. Anyway, the Argentinian dictator uh, were all in Sydney and they decided on something quite wacky. Chris, do you want to take us through it? Right, yeah. So, um, okay, let me try and get my mind around this clusterfuck to be able to communicate it. So, they they want to pull together a sort of a closed annual league where the top 12 teams in the world play each other all uh, at least once. Uh, and then I think they've talked about some kind of playoff. The top four would then play off after that. Uh, and how this would work, because like you can already hear Europeans just completely contracting at the buttock at the thought of you know their precious Six Nations getting fucked with. The way this is going to work is that Six Nations and Rugby Championship will stand as is, and those games will double as league games. Quite how that's going to work when there's two problems here, right? The Six Nations, one or maybe even two of those teams will not be in the top 12, right? Particularly Italy, right? Italy is like, what, 14th or 15th at the moment? So I'm not mm-hmm. quite sure how that works. Like if you're Georgia or Romania or Tonga or Fiji and you're not in either of those competitions, how do you play those games? Anyway, and then from a rugby champion perspective, which are the games that count? They play each other twice. You know, so already there are things you immediately see as being problems, not the least the fact that they're, right, they're going to be able to do this plus the, the three games in, Ju- in July, well, by then will be July, and also three games in November. If they're going to do that plus the Six Nations Rugby Championship, when are they going to play these playoff games? You know, the whole point of them trying to sort out 
you know, why they've been meeting in all these expensive places, San Francisco, Singapore, et cetera, et cetera. The whole point of this was to try and figure out a world where there was A, a global calendar, B, better player welfare, C, some kind of protection afforded to the test game as it pertains to players getting cynically picked by other unions to play for the test team despite not having nationality, et cetera, et cetera. And then finally, D, from a particularly New Zealand, Australia perspective, I mean, broadly, you could say the Southern Hemisphere as well. And this is the big one, is trying to find a world where um, gate receipts are shared and where unions that provide the bulk of the excitement for Test Rugby get their fair share of the financial wedge rather than continually filling Twickenham every November and not seeing any of that cash, right? Um, and this season, or sorry, this, this idea, this league, kind of only really does one of these, and even then only half. We, we, there's a lot of water under the bridge to see whether it could figure it out, but it doesn't do any of A, B, or C. This won't shorten the, 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 the rugby year, right? So the player welfare thing is out. It doesn't really result in a global calendar, you know, um, particularly when you're going to have the World Cup on the Lions tour still still happening. Uh, you know, Northern Hemisphere all of a sudden won't play their games in their summer, so it's not really doing that. Um, it only sort of gives some unions more money because all of a sudden you've got a consistent TV product, which the the broadcasters will love, right? Um, and in the process, you kill off the idea of the rugby test. The standalone rugby test is something that's important. You even hear people talking about how this gets rid of friendlies. I don't know these, these rugby personalities that have been bemoaning the friendly, but if you're using the word friendly to describe a rugby international, as far as I'm concerned, you're not a rugby fan. No. You're a piece of shit. Go back to soccer. Go back to basketball. Go somewhere else. Rugby doesn't want you. Fuck off. You know what I mean? The only flip side is that Australia, New Zealand, South Africa in particular are going to get loaded because it will make the rugby championship as a broadcast offering worth considerably more because it will be important, more so important to the Six Nations team because it's part of their broader competition, right? Whereas I'd imagine the incremental benefits to Six Nations unions will be minor. Whereas for New Zealand and Australia in particular, it will be a huge increase in revenue. I, I, I still don't understand how they how they'd fit in lead to your point about about um, the global rugby calendar. I don't I don't know how they'd how how are they going to fit on all the games and not make. I this think like they're a, just going to hijack uh, the autumn internationals and. Well, yeah, um, I mean, autumn, autumn internationals is done. I mean, as as a thing, it, like it'll it'll be trying to it'll be trying to squeeze in all the games that need to be squeezed in. In order to satisfy the requirements of the of the the, what what are they calling the thing? What are they proposing the, the things called? Oh, uh, it's the worst name, the World League. Oh, God, that sounds like I something. Imaginative. Also, it shits all over the Rugby World Cup. What is the point of having a World Cup if every year there's a World Cup? Yep, or rankings for that matter. Yeah, yeah, yep. They're they're just confusing the product. It's going to be re- like if you're. If you're an American neutral uh, who likes sport, likes contact sport, could be interested in rugby, we'll call you Brian S for this hypothetical <laughs> scenario. Um, you're just going to sit there and go, I don't get this. I don't understand this. I'm turning it off. 
and then and then you gotta start winding Chris up. Hypothetically. <laughs> yeah. Um also, do we know who who's the title sponsor for the um the autumn the autumn internationals? Do we do we have a title sponsor? Oh, I don't know, but I do know that the Six Nations, after an incredibly embarrassing um, snafu after ditching Barclays, uh, sorry, RBS, um, saying that they didn't pay enough and then climbing down uh, to eventually getting a subsidiary of RBS NatWest to fund the Six Nations, they have announced uh, this last week they're going to have HSBC uh, as their um, title sponsor for the Six Nations. The Six <laughs> do they Nations. just go around all the high streets and be like, enter the bank branches and be like, what about they you just- guys? Yeah, it was like, hey, big insurances or banks? <laughs> who wants who wants a box in Twickenham? Yeah, you guys already hang out here, so you may as well. <laughs> yeah. Should we wrap it up, lads? It's, it's, it's a lot of talking. Let's wrap it up with one last thing: Quade Cooper and Brad Thorne saga. Ah, oh, what a delight it's oh been God, to watch was, Brad Thorne so literally bench Quade Cooper for an entire year. <laughs> so he had to get signed. Oh, you know what, dude? Else. Dude, as much as I hate Quade Cooper and that entire generation of entitled little uber breaths that were running around the Aussie game, i got to say, that guy has been well and truly humbled now over nearly a decade, not just internationally and domestically. And so I've got to say, it was kind of really cool seeing him stand up for himself and yes. deliver, deliver a little one-two sucker punch on social media with that Instagram post to Brad very, very i, I got to admit, that was kind of nice. Yeah. Well, I think deep down, Brad Thor must be sitting there going, just just nodding ever so slightly, just being like, good, I set you straight by benching you for an entire year, even though you were like one of the most highly paid people on my team. And then I just refuse. Ah, it's, what, it's one of Brad Thorne's great, like Brad Thorne's done a lot of great stuff. That's, that's right up there. Just big middle finger to Quake Cooper to tell him to sort his shit out, go back to club rugby and then, come claw yourself back up again and he and he responded so credit to him well he he responded by playing club rugby for a year and then leaving so um and then posting on something like something on insta and i'm willing to bet that brad thorne does not have an instagram account so there's a chance he doesn't <laughs> i mean this is this is also true <laughs> yeah <laughs> Brad, Brad Thorne took, look, took one look at him on day one of training. He goes, I'm not picking that guy. <laughs> Down. Dude, day yes. one? I think that's I think that's what the first thing he thought when he was yeah. offered the job. No, yeah. I mean, day one of, I mean, I mean, he woke up the next day and he's like, oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> I mean, that, that, is, that's a unique situation. Or like, how many players? will have been in that situation where your rival team's enforcer is all of a sudden your coach. Like, that, can't, <laughs> that must be incredibly rare, right? And it just so happens you were the dick. You were the team shit-stirrer, you know, and now you're dealing with the consequences of that in a really, really horrific way. And and you couldn't can, write that. That's a movie. That's a movie right there. And he could still yeah. kick your ass. True yeah, stranger. badly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, let's wrap it up, gents. It's been a pleasure. We look forward to in four days watching the third blade is low. We'll see who's right and who's wrong. My prediction. Mm. It's been a joy. I'm going to go grab a pie. 
not not listen to you two in, in greats for a few days at least, but deep down I miss you, and I miss our gentle viewers too. Uh, feel free to light us up on any of your desirable uh, social platforms, and, and I'll ignore them, but maybe Dean or Hayden will yeah. respond. If you, if you can find us. Yeah, like Darius. Or you just, guys, you know what? You're getting enough arguments on, on, on rugby forums across the world. Chances are at some point you'll, you'll run into me. So, hey. <laughs> Chances are strong. All right, gents. All right. Tell you how. Tell you how.